Good morning, everybody. Great to see you. You know, there are some times in a father's life where you, you or a parent's life where you, uh, you know, a moment where you, you kind of wish you could be your kid. You know, and, and I had one of those moments when Deanna was leading us in worship and she was like, honey from a rook, honey from a rook, honey from a rook. And I was like, what a rock star. I mean, I wish I could be that kid. So, uh, and I tell you what, I, yeah, she's been dying to sing that song. She loves that song. And uh, we're glad you love and all the other parts of the West worship team love worshiping God. So Hurricane Ian, you know, all I say, bring it. We, you ain't going to bother us. And so if you've been coming across town long, you've noticed around the sides of the walls and part of the motif of, uh, of who we are as a church, we flood. And we flood rather, rather easily because of a little lack of foresight of construction. Uh, a long time ago, city, you know, all the other stuff, people, you know, all those wonderful things. And so we flood pretty easily. So people are like, Pastor Paul, what are we going to do if we flood? Well, I kind of want you to be ready to pray one of two ways. I'm going to ask you to start off praying that we don't flood. But if we flood, I'm asking you to pray that it blows the roof off. I mean, literally. Okay, because I don't want to repair that roof. It's $150,000. It leaks. I would love to get an insurance claim to pay for that roof. So I'm asking you to kind of work. You're like, you're crazy, man. You know, it's like, no, no. Uh, you can find God in a lot of things that you experience in life. That's the secret to life. Whether good or bad, you can experience God in the midst of it. So I don't know what's going to happen. I can tell you this. The weatherman doesn't know or the weather person doesn't know what's going to happen. They got their little computer with their European models and their, you know, taco model and their the whatever model and banana model. And you've got all these different models and they still can't tell you where that thing's going to land. So if it happens, check out your phone, your app. We'll send you out an alert. We may also send you out an alert to come help us get ready for it because we get everything off the ground. Because, I mean, we had three feet of water in here one year. Then the year after, it was like 18 inches. The year after, it was eight inches. So if it happens, it happens. We will do church online. Uh, we got really good at that over the last two years with COVID. So we could do that while we all kind of pitch in and help rebuild it and get back to it. So we're not worried about it. We're not scared about it. We want you to be safe. And uh, then you can, when it's all over, we'll, we'll put it all back together again. Um, so we've been talking about certainty. Why this? Because we all need it. Because there are so many things, storms that race into our lives. And you just don't know. Uh, and can I just say this? We don't really know what we can count on God for. You know, because we, we've been lured into churches with a lot of promises, haven't we? Well, you got to come to church because you get healed. you got to come to church because he'll give you how you make you wealthy. He'll come on into church and he'll make you a better person. Or he'll come on in. And so we, we have been lured in here. And, and I'm not saying that's, none of that's true, but, but we have been lured in here. And then it's easy in the midst of a hard time to say, well, wait a minute. Is God really certain? Is this really what is for certain from God? So we've been going through Luke, and Luke is kind of like the gospel written for skeptics, people like you and me who have had life experiences, and all of a sudden it's like, what? I'm divorced? What? You know, I've got cancer. What? I'm having troubles with this. What? I just lost a loved one. If you've had that kind of experience, Luke was written for you because Luke is offering certainty in the midst of uncertain times. So one of the um, things that I like, I like sci-fi movies. 
And most sci-fi movies always take a twist with time travel. You know, they, there's been so many movies about time travel. And, and there'll be a movie like you go in the past and you save Abraham Lincoln from getting assassinated or you, um, you know, go up to this mailbox and when you open up the mailbox, there's a letter from a lady you're going to meet. You know, I mean, there actually was a movie. Matter of fact, I think Keanu Reeves has been in more time travel movies than any other person. How many of you saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? How many? Raise your hand. There are the dope smokers right there. Anybody who raised their hand, I guarantee. But time travel is a really interesting thing. And the reason why I think it's appealing to us is because it offers the ability to see the outcome of something. Um, it, it gives us the ability to change the past to alter the outcome of the future. At least that's our, our perspective. It leverages what we do now because of the outcome. Um, there's one TV show which is the longest-running sci-fi show, and you think it's Star Trek. It's not Star Trek. Longest-running sci-fi show involves time travel, and it comes to us from the BBC, and it is Doctor Who. Anybody here watch Doctor Who? Yeah, that's a deep dive, isn't it? Doctor Who's a real... Well, they fly around in this thing called the TARDIS. It's, a, it's like a phone booth, a police call station, where the doctor goes in there and he flies all these different things about uh, with time. And, you know, just think about it. If you had a time machine, a real time machine, and it was sitting right here, and, and it was your time to use it, no pun intended, but it was your time to go into the time machine, what would you do with that? You know? Um, I, I, I thought about generally what would I would do about it, and I felt bad because what I thought was it had everything to do with money. Um, I didn't want to go back and kill Hitler as a baby. Uh, oh, that sounded bad. I didn't want to kill, I'd kill her. Is it better if I kill him as a teenager? I mean, if I killed Hitler as a teenager or something like that. Um, but I was thinking about it. If you had a time machine, in 2009, uh, Bitcoin was just a brand new thing, and it was trading for about $27 a share. If you bought 1,000 shares at $27, um, I, I forget, it was maybe 2016, 2019, when it all went up to, it was $62,000 a share, okay? Uh, right now, it's trading someplace at sixteen dollars to $18,000 a share. But all you had to do was give up $27 and buy 100 shares or 1,000 shares, and you're a millionaire today. I think I might get in the booth, go in there, and just kind of whoop, go back, wouldn't hurt anybody, wouldn't alter the time-space continuum for me to be a millionaire, and so just do some sort of alter, uh, altering of that. And, um, but when I thought about the time machine thing, and if you're here and you're brand new and you think, what is this guy talking about? This is going to make a lot of sense in just a little bit. But, you know, when you think about time travel, I'm sure you do a lot of thinking about this. I do a lot. There's really two ways to time travel. Um, you could time travel to see what the outcome is, and then you would go see what the future looks like, and then you would return to the present, and then you would alter it so that the future would be different. You would change the outcome. That's one way to use a time machine. The other way to use a time machine, if time and the future are, are static, then you would use a time machine to go to see how does it turn out, and then I will come back 
and either positively or negatively align myself to end up at that outcome, okay? And so there's two ways to use this time machine. Well, today we're going to see that there's only one kind of time travel, and Jesus is going to communicate it to us. He's going to give us the advantage of a time machine. I mean, really is. Everything that a time machine, what we would want about one, Jesus is about to give it to us, and he's also gonna offer us the opportunity to leverage it. He's gonna communicate to us that time and the outcome of time and mankind seems to be static. It's not something that we alter. You know, heaven and hell, or however you wanna visualize it, that those outcomes seem to be already arranged. But then we're given time to alter our lives, to align ourselves with which one of these outcomes that we want. And Jesus is going to present these outcomes with certainty. So I want to just tell you right up front the bad news about what you're going to hear today. Because it's going to really impinge upon your civil liberties as an American. You're not going to want to hear this. But, but I believe it's accurate. But I wanted to get it out up front. When we talk about the big picture outcome of life. God will not give you the outcomes you want. He will give you the outcomes he's offering. See, God won't let you invent an outcome. Well, when I get to heaven or when I die, I hear guys sometimes, you know, they kind of be like all bikered up and all and they'll come to me like, yeah, well, if I'm going to hell, I'd rather party with the devil in hell with my buddies then go to heaven with the angels. It's like, okay, that's a cute little imaginative outcome. But I want to let you know, God's not offering that outcome. Okay, you don't get to invent as an American the outcome of life. We get an opportunity to change around, you know, what kind of car you're going to drive, where you're going to live, you know, what job you have, and you can do it well, and you get a good outcome, do it poorly, get a bad outcome. But when it comes to the big picture, the future, what the end of all time, what happens with your life, whether it happens this year or it happens 80 years from now, you don't get to make that outcome. God is offering an outcome. We spend our lives, the rest of our lives, aligning our wills and choices to the best outcome possible. So that's why if I had a time machine right now, I would go back to 2009 and I would find who's selling Bitcoin at $27, and I would say, listen, Susan, it's gonna make it a little hard on us, but I need, you know, 1,000 shares at $27 a share. We're gonna buy this because I know this outcome is going to happen, and I wanna align myself in this particular moment. So Jesus is coming down a mountain to a multitude of people waiting for him. He's, he's up there, he, he comes down with his disciples, but something in Luke happens that's a, it's a little different, and it's, uh, there's a lot of activity that's going on in this story. I mean, it's just like busting loose. But when he comes down off of this mountain, he starts healing people like crazy. We're told in the story that power to heal was flowing from him. You don't always get that description. Sometimes it's like, and Jesus healed that person. And Jesus, but it was like there was this, tectonic activity of spiritual activity around. He comes down off the mountain and he's just like healing is just flowing out of him. 
And then we're also told that demons are like shrieking and leaving people. This is like super big. This is like, whoa, what is going on here kind of big. And there was, the Bible says there was a multitude of people. It uses this word throngs. I mean, it was just like people on top of people, humanity on top of humanity, and all, these, all this stuff was just busting loose in people. I have found that when events like this happen, look at the next moment that happens right after it, especially if Jesus says something. Because Jesus isn't just building everybody up with healing and with demon casting and all this stuff. He's setting his authority up to be listened to. And I would even dare say that the more activity you got going on like that, it's like, hey, what I'm about to say, I need you guys all to believe me. Because I'm gonna say some things about the future. I'm gonna step out of my time machine and I'm gonna tell you what is going to happen in the future. So everybody is just like overwhelmed with what's happening, he's, he's got them. I mean, he really, he's got his crowd, they're captivated, he tells them to sit down, he comes down and he begins to communicate to them. And, and, and while he's talking, he, he uses analogies and similes and abstract language, he'll, he'll talk about trees and rocks and floods, uh, he'll talk about food, he'll talk about wealthy people, he'll talk about poor people. He just talks, he, he brings it all. So he's got their attention and he's like, he just brings it and he brings it real strong. And he communicates to them something about certainty. Uh, he, he communicates to them something about the big picture of the future. He's, I, I'm telling you, it's as if he gets out of a time machine and says, I've been to the future and here's what happens. I hope I got your interest because Jesus is about to tell us the future. And turning towards his disciples, he began to say, blessed are you who are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leave for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. So this is one of the outcomes of the future. He has just presented this. Doesn't matter what we want, this is what he has just presented is going to be one of the outcomes. Um, I don't know when this outcome occurs, but it is going to occur. He got out of the time machine and said, listen, I've been there, this is going to happen. I know the future and this is God's will and this is what's going to happen, certainly. But that's not the only thing he said. Because most of us are kind of like, cool. You know, I love the Beatitudes. But then he communicated to them that there was gonna be two outcomes out in the future. And they were both certain and they both corresponded to each other. So right after saying this, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, then he goes, but woe to you who are rich for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, 
for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. So there are, according to our time traveler, there are two future outcomes, blessed and woed. These are the two outcomes. It's like, well, Pastor Paul, is there like a third one? It's like, no, there is no third one. There's blessed or woes. If it makes you feel better, you could say heaven or hell. But Jesus is telling us there is this blessed future and there is this woed future. You don't get to change them. These are what's going to happen. So since we can't change this and we know that this is what's going to happen, then when we go back to the present in our time machine, we should get out and alter our present to align itself with one of these futures. Either that or you think Jesus lied. You know what's so funny? I preached this sermon, the first service. I came, finished it, and I was like, ah, I can't believe I, that's too harsh of a sermon. I gotta lighten it up. Then I realized if I preached, if I just read Luke to you, it was harsher than what I said. I actually softened Jesus up. He didn't even explain it. He just said it. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I, maybe I wasn't too harsh. Would it be harsh for anybody to let you know what's in the future? If you were about to get in the car and get in an accident on Beast Ferry Road and I had that knowledge and I, you know, I just came back and saw the intersection and I got out and I, wouldn't you expect me to say, listen, I want to let you know, you might want to go right instead of left. Okay, you might want to get all the way in the right-hand lane because there's a semi that's coming down. Wouldn't you want to know that information? Sometimes that seems like very harsh information. What do you mean there's going to be an accident? I thought we were in a kingdom where there were no accidents, no sicknesses, no illnesses, no inflation, no you know, interest rates. It's like, no, no, what I'm doing, I'm just gonna tell you what's gonna happen in the future. So Jesus is doing that with this group of people. There are two future outcomes, blessed and woed. Both of these are for certain. Therefore, if we were, if we were gonna use a time machine to go back and buy, Bitcoin cheap. It's time for us to get into our, get into this understanding that Jesus just told us the future. Why aren't we doing that? Uh, why aren't we altering our lives? So let's look at what, what he says about the present and about how it affects our future. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are the weep, the, those who weep, for they shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn you as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. I think it's interesting that all these blessings are associated with hardships. And the reason why this encourages me is that we're afraid to look at hard. We want to avoid hard. We do everything possible to get away from hard because we're scared of hard. And Jesus is like, listen, don't be afraid to look at hunger straight in the face. Don't be afraid to look at rejection straight in the face. Don't be afraid of, of facing your day, wherever it is, divorce or being alone or, or, or trying to make ends meet. He's like, listen, with the certainty of God, you don't have to be afraid. Yes, you may be poor, you may be weeping, you may be walking through a divorce. Yes, you may have hard times. But he said, listen, if, if you're walking with me, blessed are you. I've seen the future for your life. 
You're going to be okay. I know you're scared right now. I know you can't see it right now. And for all those listening to Jesus' words who were desperate, he was like, listen, I got this. I've seen the future. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I know the future. I've written the future. He's like, if you trust me, don't be afraid. I know it looks ugly right now. Paul put it this way, talking about the same things. And Paul knew pain. He knew he, he was shipwrecked. He was um, uh, rejected. He was thrown out of a window. He was stoned with the rocks. He was, um, I mean, he, he experienced every hardship that you can possibly experience, bit by snakes. I mean, it really didn't go well for the Apostle Paul. But Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. He's not, he's not saying, well, the Lord's coming back because you could interpret it that way. But it also means it's like, listen, I'm in a hard time right now, but I can rejoice because God's close to me. He's here with me. There's something blessed about this moment, even though it's a terrible moment. I have discovered the closeness of God in my life. So he says, be anxious for nothing. But in, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And he says, with certainty. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Not maybe, it will be. You say, well, but it's not working. Well, then I would have to question, have you chose blessings or woes? Are you living blessings or woes? Because Paul said, in the middle of his difficulty, in the middle of his lack, he said, listen, if you trust in me, I'll make it work out okay. I've seen the future, and I'll keep you in perfect peace. There is a certainty of outcome for some, and it's called blessed. There is a certainty of God being nearby. There is a certainty of peace and it all comes down to trusting in God. And we'll see that at the end. Jesus really drives that point home. See, I, I have, um, I ha I'm in my second marriage. It sounds so temporal, doesn't it? Like, ooh, I'm in my second one, like there's a third one waiting for me. But I'm in my second one because in my first marriage, I lived and operated with woeness. I didn't trust God. I really didn't care about her. I didn't cheat on her, but let's be honest. You can kill a marriage without cheating on somebody. I was a jerk, arrogant, pompous ass. Did I just say ass? Yeah, but anybody ever been one before? Ever been, anybody, don't raise your hand, but anybody ever been married to one before? Anybody still married to one? No, okay. All right, so now I got us all back again. You guys are like, okay, let's go to another church. But you know what? It's like, I... I, it's like, well, it was fate. It wasn't fate. Jesus had always told me about husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and give your life for her. I wasn't doing that. As far as my part was concerned, I had created a woe marriage. Now I'm in 35 years of my, my marriage. It's like, what's, what's, how did it work? Is Susan a better woman? I know we'd like to all say so. Are you a better man? I know I'd like to say so, but no. 
we have built our lives based upon the principles of God because we saw that this outcome is blessed and this outcome is woe. I bit, the time machine traveler told me this is what's going to happen. So husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives honor your husbands and you will experience blessed. Didn't happen by accident. I chose it. And that's what Jesus is trying to shake this crowd about. Instead of waiting for fate, or trying to create your own kind of future. He's like, listen, there's a way to be blessed and there's a way to be woed and we have the choice of it. So he talks about blessings and all that. Then he does this one and you gotta really listen all the way through on this. But woe to you who are rich for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to speak, uh, treat the false prophets in the same way. Remember, he is not saying, if you're laughing, stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. Because if you start laughing, then I'll have to make you weep. And he's like, we know that's not right. And he's not saying the moment that you're about to put food in your mouth and feel full, he's not saying like smacking the food out. It's like, no, you need to be hungry. And the reason why I tell you that, he's not saying don't let anybody say anything good to you about you. Don't let them, because otherwise you're going to go into the woe category if you let one comment come. And the reason why I'm kind of hyperbolizing that is because the category of the rich. Because everybody would think, well, then see, it says you can't be rich. no. That would be also then to say you can't be hungry or you can't eat and you can't laugh. It's how we handle things. Matter of fact, it's this one phrase that comes out of it that I think really defines it for what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, woe to you who are receiving your comfort in full. It's like, what fills your heart? What are you all about? It's like, listen, if this is what it's all about, um, and that fills your heart. And, and also this word woe is not always used like this sense of vengeance. Woe to you who are laughing. How dare you laugh? No, he's, he, it's like, ah, oh. it's, it's actually an expression of anguish. He's like, you don't get it, do you? You're chomping down on wealth and success and a hot body, and popularity, and all that stuff, and you think if you just chomp down on that, grab life, and all this fill up on that, he's like, no, you don't get it, do you? You're gonna lose it all. You're gonna lose it all. He's anguishing them. He's not threatening them. And he's like, hey, you guys who are just like, you're in your comfort and full, he's like, you don't get it. You're gonna lose it all. And you know, unfortunately, it took me to uh, be 63 before I discovered that. I really didn't. I didn't know it at 59. At 59, I thought you could have it all. I really did. Until I, my little accident with my back and all that pain that I went through and all the misery, I didn't realize a good life could be taken from you just like that. All of a sudden, sports are gone. You know, competition was gone. All that stuff was gone, all in the blink of an eye. And it was like, I'm telling you, I was in despair. 
not only because of the pain, but because I had built my life on it. I wanted to run a better 5K than you. I would compete with you over your cholesterol level. Or, hey, what's your, what's your resting heart rate? Go, you know? I mean, it's like, oh, she's trying to answer me. I'm sorry, I shouldn't, stop, stop. You know, and, and it's like, well, that's ridiculous. Well, some of us are being ridiculous with our money. Well, you know, you just gotta have this. You gotta have a house in Vegas. You gotta have a house in Colorado Springs. Gotta have a house in Charleston. Gotta have a house there. It's like, everybody should have a house there, here. It's like, hey, nothing wrong with having houses, Jesus says. But is that your comfort info? Is that what you're filling your heart up with? Because if it is, wow, man, you're gonna lose it all. When I looked at all this, it, I had to remember, this is all going to happen. Jesus is a time machine. Um, and you've got to decide, and this is a really difficult thing, C.S. Lewis put forth this proposition that Jesus is one of three things, and he can only be one of three things. He's either um, Lord, the king of the universe, the time traveler, the writer of time, He's either a liar, meaning he's saying things like this because he wants to trick you, or he's a lunatic. He's out of his mind. But guess what option there isn't? A good teacher. He's not a good teacher. He's not a good teacher. He's either Lord of the universe, the time traveler, who knows what's going to happen and has actually designed the future, or he's lying to us, or he's crazy. So why would you want to go to church and learn about somebody who's a lunatic or who's lying? But I also would ask you the same question. Why would you not do what a time traveler who is Lord tells you to do? Who becomes a lunatic then? So Jesus continues to talk about certainty. And I'm gonna read you just a couple more passages and I'll go through them real quick. But remember, he has come down from the mountain. We're told he does miracles and he does this thing and he starts teaching. He's, he starts shooting off these different stories or examples. And then at the end, we're told, and when Jesus had finished his discourse, he went to another place. Why that's important is because theologians have had a problem with this scripture. And the reason why is because it sounds like Jesus is jumping from subject to subject to subject. They, they actually think it's like four different sermons that Luke built into one. I have a problem with that interpretation. Is because it says at the end of it, when he had finished his discourse, he went. I also think it's a problem is because a lot of these theologians don't see the common thread that's running through all these scriptures. Every one of them is Jesus dropping the gauntlet and telling you for certain what's going to happen in the future. We just don't want woes. But Jesus continues, in case you didn't get the Beatitudes, he says some other things that are certain. He says, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. In the parentheses, I put that there, in the moment, for your reward will be great in the future. 
So he's saying, listen, love your enemies and lend and give and not expect getting back. It's like, why? It's because there's a reward for you in heaven if you do that. Certainty. And you will be sons of the Most High God, for he himself is kind to the ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. There is a guaranteed outcome to loving people in the midst of conflict. Instead of avoiding the conflict, there, if you love people in conflict, he says, I'll reward that. I'll reward that. You love your enemies? Just want to let you know. They stole from you. They take from you. It's like I, I, I did business with a guy in the church that did a phenomenal job. It's construction work. And uh, when we were gawking, he probably thought I was a weirdo, but was, when I was walking him around what I wanted to have built and done, and I was like, uh, I said, okay, I need us to be very clear about what you're doing here. So I kind of like recorded our conversation. And it's like, uh, uh, you know, why are you recording the conversation? It's because I need you to tell me what you're going to do so that I can play it back. This is what you said you can do. I said, well, why, why is that so important? It's because I can't sue you. Why can't you sue me? Because there's scripture in 1 Corinthians that says that I can't sue a brother. That means that I will be, if you decide to walk away with my money, I'm not coming after you. It's like, you crazy? It's like, no, I'm not crazy. Because there's a blessing for being misused. There's a blessing for letting the criminal go or forgiving the criminal. It's crazy. Now, if, if you don't believe Jesus is Lord, but you think he's like just a good teacher, this is a crazy concept. But if he is the time traveler and he gets out and he says, listen, oh yeah, I'm gonna reward you. Remember when he, he didn't build that thing on your back and it all collapsed and, you, and, and everybody told you, you need to sue him. And you didn't go after him. He's like, listen, I just want to tell you, um, why don't you build a fire with all that wood? You know, it's like, but I don't want you going after him. It's like, that would be crazy unless blessing is certain. He did a great job. It's like, wow, this dude's really over the top. Here's another time machine. Right after that one, Jesus goes right into it again. Same thing. He says, do not judge and you will not be judged. It's certain. You go around, it says, and do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Pardon and you will be pardoned. What he's telling us is that forgiveness given now changes your future. That means when you get into your time machine called your life moving forward, make sure there isn't unforgiveness in it. Because if all of a sudden you end up in your future and that door opens and you brought unforgiveness in there, don't be surprised if you step into a world of condemnation, a world of fire with hate and anger. It's like, whoa, how'd this happen? Let's get back in the time machine. Go back, zoom right back to 2022, kick unforgiveness out the door, shut the door, go back in, you pop up and then it's like, oh, look at it. There's blessing all around. Yeah, because you didn't let this thing in, in your... So Jesus is like, listen, if you don't deal with this now, if you don't get over what your spouse did for you, if you don't get over what your parents did for you, you every future is going to end up a woe. Man, I love time travel. Here's another one. Jesus goes right into it. You can see the theme, right? Give and it will be given to you. Give. He's like, do it. Give. He's like, why should I give? It's like, give and it will be given to you. Isn't that enough? He says, 
Given it will be given to you, they will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and runneth over. For by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. That means generosity now changes your future. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. You certain? Jesus is like, I'm certain. Generous now, bless later. Stingy now, woe later. All right, I'll do that. Then Jesus says it one more time. Jesus reinforces this concept of certainty that, that you've already experienced. Because maybe you're not tracking with me with the time machine. So Jesus went into biology. Uh, he says something like this. And this is right in Luke, in the same passage. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit. And on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. I mean, think about it. Trees are time machines. If you have an apple tree, you can forecast and predict apples. You're like, no, duh. But it's like, no, it's actually functioning as, if you grow a vineyard, you can predict wine. You can predict a certain outcome. And, and so Jesus is like, listen, you, nobody's paying attention to me, is what Jesus is saying. It's like, you know we see this in biology, that if you have a good tree, it produces good fruit. If you have a bad tree, it produces bad fruit. Then why do you have... He, he, well, he, let me just read to you what he says. He says, the good man out of the good heart, good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And the evil man out of his evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. It's like, see, I didn't need to find a better woman in my second marriage. I needed to become a better tree. You know, that's what I needed to become. I needed to be, I, a lot of us are thinking, you know what, we're just gonna have a great marriage. She's hot, I'm hot. We got a lot of money. We're doing good, kids are cool. Got in a private school. We're just scooting along. It's all gonna work out. It's like, it's like, no, it's not how it works. Out of a good heart, a heart that knows the Lord, walks in the principles of God, you bring forth a good marriage, a good family. You raise children, you know? You bring, you, it grows that way. So the real question is, is, is he's saying to them, hey, are you certain you're the right kind of person? Are you sure you're the right kind of tree? And in the middle of it, he offers us to become new creations in Christ. Isn't that why he offers us? He offers us the opportunity to become the right kind of tree through his grace. And then Jesus, if he wasn't harsh enough, because he's about to finish up, no question and answer time, he finishes up and we're told he just walks off. Then he says to them this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? He's like, he's doing the C.S. Lewis thing. Why are you calling me Lord, but you don't believe what I just told you about a future of blessing and woes. It's like, why aren't you doing this? And he's pressing us fundamentally is, you don't really believe me, do you? You don't really believe I'm a time traveler. You don't really believe I'm the alpha and the omega. You don't really believe I'm Lord. You don't believe I'm from the future and from the past. It's like, you know what? That's pretty much it. Yeah, you're right. And he presses them on this. 
You don't believe what I'm saying is certain. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? Because if you're certain, you would do the things that the person that you had confidence told you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. He correlates this blessed life that he's talking about, this fill of the heart, as hearing the word of God and then building your life on that word of God, he's saying, listen, it works out for you. You're not crazy to give. You're not crazy to forgive. You're not crazy for turning the other cheek. You're not... I know life is hard. I know you're hungry. I, I know you're alone. He's like, but you trust in me. You're not crazy. And, and I love what he says, because the floods come. Because in both stories, the flood is constant. Everybody experiences it. But the one who is heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation, and the torrent bust against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of the house was great. That is what Jesus means by, whoa. He did all that work. What, what, is, what, what do you got left? It's like you got nothing. You didn't build on me. It's like I told you what was going to happen. I told you you were going to grow old and you were going to die. Is anybody here not certain of that? I told you that you were going to have hard times. Is anybody here not certain of that? Jesus even builds into a story, not a Christianity where there's no floods. Well, the, the man who acts upon my words, he avoids the floods. He avoids illnesses. He avoids war. He avoids hard times because he's blessed. No. Blessed are you when you're hungry, when you're facing hardship and rejection. It's like because hardship and rejection are a constant in the life of a human. But what you get your fill from, where do you run to? Floods are certain. Need to build, build a certain. Both guys build. It's very important for us to be building something. Collapsing is one outcome and being unshakable is the other. There is no third outcome. There's not one where you get to be a little of this and a little bit of that. I mean, it's like the salsa, you know? I mean, there is no, there is no salsa. It's either... You go left, you go right. Either blessings or woes. You get to choose. Isn't it cool? God's not some like jerk up there. I don't believe a God that would make a hell. You know? It's like, if God just made hell, I would agree with you. If that's all he made, is every, all the humanity just slides into hell, yeah, I'd say, you're a jerk. But he said, no, I'm offering you blessings. And then there's the hell thing. But guess what? You don't hate me for it. You're the one making the choice. Choose you this day is what Jesus says. I don't see where that's unethical. I don't see where that's harsh or dictatorial. God will not give you the outcome you want. He will give you the outcome he's offering. And I will tell you this, because some of you are... I, are kind of sad about that. Really? I was really... The blessings of God are amazing. Eye is not seen, nor is ear heard, 
nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for his people. You haven't even begun to imagine the blessings that God has prepared for us. And in some part, we get to experience some of those now with some of our choices. But it's really gonna come down to you. Do you really believe Jesus? And I'm here to tell you, he's not a good teacher. He's either the Lord of the universe, the time traveler, he is Doctor Who, or he is a liar, or he's just what? out of his gourd so much he even died for it and then all the other wackos died for it too you got to make a choice but your choice will determine the certain outcomes that have already been established by God and he says he wants he wants you to choose well I mean he really does he loves you and I know and I look around this auditorium and I know so many of you so well I know some of you have gone through the worst experiences any human being can imagine. I know you've, you've, your life is spent. I know that you've lost people. I know that you wrestled in your body. I know that you, some of you are just like desperate because you can't make a, a relationship work. And God's not wanting to destroy you in that. God's like, hey, if you're willing to look at that square in the face with me, right alongside of you, because the Lord is near, it's like, I can turn this into a blessing. I can do it, but you're gonna have to trust with me. I've been to your end and it looks good. God offers every one of us here today. Why don't I think about hell? Why don't I have a problem theologically with hell? I ain't going there because I chose heaven because I chose God so it's yeah it's one of the options I'm not going there how did I end up with a 35 year great second marriage because I married the right woman no we both chose life and we based our marriage even in the midst of the floods this church a week from now could be filled with water say pastor paul don't you think it's like i had a little young lady about 14 or 15 come up to me afterwards and she told me she grabbed me after the service and normally you know i gotta admit guys sometimes you know when there's a teenager they're like pastor paul i need to talk to you i'll be like well let me talk to the adults but no this this young person came up to me and grabbed me pastor paul god wants you to know that he builds his church upon the rock which is jesus as long as you keep this church on the rock, it doesn't matter what happens to your building, Pastor Paul. The roof can blow off and it can all flood up. <sighs> and it just touched me. It's like, how does this 13-year-old so certain about what I lose sleep over every night? Because she believes Jesus. And now it's our turn. Do we believe it? Christianity is the worst philosophical tenet you could ever subscribe to if you believe it half-heartedly. It sucks half-heartedly. You either buy in all, and it turns out to be a blessing, but you don't buy in all. It's the worst. Some would say, it's hell. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace. 
And I thank you that you wanted me, you wanted us to experience the certain blessing of your love, that you came and you took the woes of life upon yourself. You died for every bad choice we've ever made and will make. You offer us forgiveness. So God, failure is not what stops us. It's what we do now. It's how we walk out of failure. It's how we hold success. It's determined by what fulfills our hearts. But the future is certain and has been bought with a price. God, when you said, whoa, I'm sure it wasn't harsh. It was anguish. Because you've seen so many of us, like myself, who have experienced such woes because we brought it upon ourselves. But today, you're offering every one of us life. That's why in the visible contradiction of bread and the cup, body and blood, brokenness and death, you offer us blessing and resurrection. And today, as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are remembering that we are positioning ourselves for a certain future of being blessed 